From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast. It is a very special edition of Teal the Podcast. This is our mock draft edition. I'm joined here by Mark Brunel. Mark, hello. Hello. Good to be here, guys. And with our sports editor, Justin Barney. Justin, I think this is your first appearance on Teal the Podcast, probably a career-defining moment for you. It is. It's going on the resume. All right. So here's how we're going to do this. Each of us, we're going to have a, dis- a discussion about each of the top seven picks in the draft. The Jaguars picking at seven. We're going under the assumption that there are no trades that will happen that impact the top seven, even though that may indeed happen on draft day. As we record this, there have been no trades made, so the top seven are what they are. Then each of us has been assigned a team in that top six where we make the final decision. Justin will get Arizona, the number one pick, and Oakland, the number four pick. I'll get San Francisco, the number two pick, and Tampa Bay, the number five pick. And then Mr. New York, Mark Brunel, will get the Jets and the Giants. And then we'll uh, reach consensus on the Jaguars and make the case for who the Jaguars could, should, and will take at number seven. So without further ado, let's start our mock draft and start the conversation with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, They drafted a quarterback last year, but apparently quarterback is a big need, Mark Brunel, because all the talk has been about the quarterback going to the new coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and I would be surprised, just jumping right into this, if they don't take uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, All indications are is that they are high on him, multiple meetings, they like the kid, and uh, uh, that coupled with the fact it's pretty clear to your point, Cole, that they're just not real big on Josh Rosen. Um, listen, I, I, we've talked about this, you know, quite a bit. You know, many times it takes a quarterback two, three years to get comfortable, to get acclimated. Uh, Josh Rosen, very well, if he is the starter going forward for the Cardinals, he could turn out to be very, very good. But obviously, there's some disappointment. In what, uh, in, in what the Arizona Cardinals have seen in the past year. Personally, I think it would, it would be a mistake. Kyler Murray is a, is a dynamic quarterback with an incredible you know, college career, winning the Heisman and everything, but, but uh, too soon to jump on Rosen, in my opinion. But I do think that, uh, you know, that they will take the Kyler Murray kid, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Justin, the uh, needs for the Arizona Cardinals include offensive line and wide receiver as well, uh, with Larry Fitzgerald getting... Uh, advanced in the years but boy there is it has been quarterback almost since the beginning for this team as far as the conversation has been who that quarterback has changed from Dwayne Haskins to Murray because of the Kingsbury connection uh going back to Texas Tech you know Arizona I I agree with Mark I I think it'll probably be Murray but this team was terrible last year with Josh Rosen but I mean you spent a top 10 pick on this guy last year it seems almost too quick to throw in the towel on a guy whose whose body of work in the NFL is is fewer than 16 games. So, uh, you know, Kyler Murray may be that generational guy that people have talked about, and you know the Baker Mayfield comparisons, that same offense, and playing for a college coach now in uh, in Kingsbury at Arizona. But I just this team has so many holes, and you just spent a number one pick last year on Josh Rosen. You know why not? I mean, there's probably not an offensive lineman you take number one, but, um, you know, do you at least entertain the thought of, of trading down in this draft of your Arizona and trying to fill multiple needs instead of just hitching the wagon to Kyler Murray when, again, I don't think we've seen enough of Josh Rosen to, to send him out 
in a trade right now if you're Arizona. All right, just a couple of thoughts here on the trade possibility. Uh, we're not going to do that within our mock draft, but I don't think anybody else is drafting Kyler Murray in the top five. Uh, even though you have the Giants with a need, we'll get to that, potentially with a need a quarterback. But I don't think anybody in the top five is going to draft Kyler Murray except the Arizona Cardinals. So if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I'm calling San Francisco and the Jets and the Raiders and the Bucks and saying, you know, hey, what will you give me to move up to take your guy to guarantee you're going to get your guy? Right now, San Francisco has to think they're getting their guy, the, the guy who they think is the best guy in the draft or that best fits their needs, whatever that might be. Uh, but especially a team like Oakland with Mike Mayock as a new um, general manager who it appears has his quarterback with Carr that they're going to go forward with. Uh, that might be a team that could sneak up and, and make a move to try to get up ahead of the Giants, or rather the Jets and the 49ers, to get a player if they really highly value another player. But, Justin, you're the GM for the Arizona Cardinals for the purposes of this mock draft. Go ahead and make your pick. I'm going to switch it up, and I'm not going Kyler Murray. I'm, oh, the, oh. I, I'm, not going, I'm not giving up on Josh Rosen this quick. I'm going with Nick Bosa at number one. Wow. Okay, so the changeup, the very first pick of this draft – so are you making this pick based on what they should do or what you think they will do? I think they have too many too many holes. And, again, you spent a first-rounder last year on Josh Rosen. I think it's too quick to throw it out. You know, Dave Caldwell said at the, the media day today, there's so many teams out there and throwing smoke screens at this point, and you can't believe everything you hear. And um, I think the best guy in this draft is, is Nick Bosa, and that's a chance to, to get that – generational defensive guy. I've seen what his brother's done in the league. Um, and Nick may be better than Joey. Um, so I think Arizona, with all its holes, you spent a number one guy last year in Rosen. I think uh, you get the best defensive player in the draft, and, and you build you build with Josh Rosen and give him some time. All right. Well, if that does indeed happen, Mark likes the pick. I do like it. I think it's brilliant. It makes perfect sense. You've got a kid in Bosa that come, can come in and make an immediate impact. Give Rosen some time and uh, see how it plays out. I think with a new coach – and new front office personnel who didn't make the pick of Josh Rosen, they're not tethered to him. I would be surprised if this would happen, particularly with the first pick. Maybe a trade down potentially, but we'll see if it all plays out on Thursday night. All right, number two pick, and I'll play the role of general manager here for the San Francisco 49ers. They need pass rush help, they need safety help, and they need wide receiver help. And um, this is a draft that is very strong with pass rushers at the top of the first round. So that would certainly, Justin, seem to be a place where 49ers could, uh, could take a swat at it here in the first round. You know, the defensive depth in this draft is phenomenal. And, you know, for our purposes, I think San Francisco was betting on Nick Bosa being there. And now that he's off the board, you still have a choice of elite defenders. And, you know, Jeffrey Simmons of Mississippi State, he's, he's probably a later first-round pick. But that's a guy that, you know, if you're San Francisco, maybe jumping back up in the end of the second round and getting him. Um, Montez Sweat, great edge rusher there. Uh, Rashawn Gary, maybe a little high to pick him there. But just so many good defensive guys in this draft. And uh, with San Francisco's defense and what they've done assembling the defensive line the last few years, you add another guy who can get to the quarterback to what they've already got Solomon Thomas um, guys like that and I think you've got a pretty good uh, pretty good rush front there and remember this is a team that lost Jimmy Garoppolo early in the season so they went without their franchise quarterback Mark we still haven't seen him you know have a full season as a, as a starting quarterback in the National Football League maybe you'd like to get him some weapons I'm guessing as a quarterback yourself 
weapons always is a, a top priority. Weapons are a top priority. Uh, I agree. I think in in this instance, you know, I think they're pretty obviously they're firm on Garoppolo. Uh, while he hasn't played a full season, um, his small body of work has been impressive and uh um you want to get weapons but you know at the same time i've always thought that the uh, quarterback's best friend is a solid defense on the other side of the ball blake bortles you know saw that firsthand most quarterbacks when they have a great defense they tell you the same thing so that could go either way this um, to justin's point there's some great edge rushers some great defensive players um you know uh, josh allen at kentucky is another good edge player that could be a possibility so it's a tough one to call here, um, but uh, if if uh, if Bose is there, I think the 49ers get him. Um, but according to Justin, he's already gone. So <laughs> neither one of us were expecting that. No, move no, here. I like you. You came out hot, Justin Barney. Came out hot. I love it. So I'm going to take uh, make the move here and draft the best pass rusher uh, on the board, and that is Josh Allen from Kentucky. Uh, a guy who probably projects more to a an outside linebacker or rushbacker position. You might have to get creative in order to find the way to use him. But um, as a pass rusher, I think uh, he's the guy they'll go with with the number two pick. So we've gone Nick Bosa and Josh Allen, defensive lineman, defensive ends, uh, in each of the first two picks. That brings us to the New York Jets, who could use pass rush help. By the way, Josh Allen has been almost universally the pick here uh, among most of the mock drafts you see around the country with the expectation, again, that Kyler Murray would be that first pick. Uh, Pass rush, they can use some cornerback help. I'm not sure if anybody demands a top 10 here. Greedy Williams, probably the top cornerback uh, in the draft, probably more of a mid-first round pick at this point. Uh, They could also use some offensive line help, uh, tackle uh, could be in play here for your former team, one of them, the Jets. Yeah, and I see, you know, the uh, the New York Jets with with uh, they've they've got a good young quarterback right now. They've added some some talent around him, but um, listen, the quarterback he uh, I think he's got a bright future. He's still young. Uh, I think he'll have a better season than he did. That's just the natural progression. When I look at Sam Darnold, I think that this kid has a lot of potential, and that a really a short amount of time. Uh, he could be in the star in this league. From what I've seen, the short body of work last year, he did some really good things. That being said, even with all the the talent on defense, I think it's important to protect him. Um, so, and I know this one name has been kind of uh, um, married to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I I will predict that the New York Jets are going to take an offensive tackle mm-hmm. to protect this young quarterback. And in my opinion, I know there's a couple good ones. Andre Dillard from Washington State's a good tackle. Uh, but I see the New York Jets. Uh, I think they're going to go with Jawan Taylor out of Florida. Um, that's who I'm going to go with with the New York Jets. Protect the young quarterback. Give him some time. Let him do what what uh, what he can do. But uh, uh, protecting the young kid is going to be of utmost importance, in my opinion. Right, Justin, what do you think of the pick going Jawan Taylor with a third pick of the draft? That's uh, that's high. You know, higher than I expected. But again, this draft has been thrown into disarray, obviously from the first pick. And from that jerk who uh, <laughs> threw out the first <laughs> yeah, pick, and who was that? Gosh. But it's uh, you know, I don't think there's a bad pick at this point. Um, you know, a question if Juwan is is the best tackle in this draft. I mean, looking at Andre Dillard, I don't know if he, if he factors into that consideration. But I mean, Sam Darnold's got to have some protection, and uh, the Jets they were terrible at it last year. One other name to throw out there, by the way, who. Uh, can play has played tackle and guard uh, at, at the college level at Alabama is Jonah Williams. He is uh, a voracious uh, on preparation uh, for for pass rush opponents. 
Uh, he started as a freshman at Alabama. Uh, again, played left guard, right guard, uh, left tackle, right tackle, and guard in his time with the uh, Crimson Tide. There's so, a lot of value in that. A yeah. kid that uh, gets to the next level, and you could put him in more than one spot. Um, I could see that happening as well. Good player out of Alabama. So we'll see if that becomes a possibility for the Oakland Raiders, who at number four need pass rush help. They need offensive line help. Uh, they could use a running back. It could use some tight end here. Justin Barney, you're the GM for the Raiders. Uh, how do you size this pickup? Well, since I've sent my entire scouting department home <laughs> and uh, basically fired everybody, um, it's just myself and John Gruden in the room now and uh, some leeway here. You know, you've added a receiver in the offseason and Antonio Brown. You, you just don't know what these guys are going to do. And armed with so many first-round picks, you know, this Raiders rebuilding project, you know, we thought was a two- or three-year plan is accelerated, and maybe you're thinking the Raiders can compete this year. Um, you know, I, I want to say T.J. Hawkinson here because I think he adds a, a playmaker to the to package with Antonio Brown. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, an edge-rushing guy here in Montez Sweat from Mississippi mm. State. It, it's a guy, it's a, it's a poor man's uh, Nick Bosa. I think he still gets to the passer. Um, they need edge rush help. I mean, you got rid of Khalil Mack last year, and I think in a sense regretted that. But um, I think that adds a, a significant component to the Raiders' rebuild. You get one of the top, maybe the top two defenders in the draft and a guy who can really twist the edge and put some pressure on the quarterback. The fastest defensive lineman in NFL Combine history. He ran, I think, a 4-4-1 is his fastest 40 at the Combine with a 36-inch vertical, which, by the way, is the same as Blake Griffin had at the NBA Combine. This guy is a tremendous athlete. There are some concerns, Mark, that uh, Montez Sweat may have a heart condition. He has an enlarged heart. Didn't keep him from dominating the SEC and having double-digit sacks each of the last two years for Mississippi State. I, just those those numbers and what he did at the Combine is amazing. You, you know, if you're a GM and you're a head coach and you're looking at the – what this guy can become. I mean, it's amazing what so many of these linebackers and defense alignment, even offense alignment, their verticals, their 40s, they're so athletic, they're so big and strong. And uh, and I agree with Justin on this. I think it's a great pick. Um, just the potential of this, of this kid uh, could really step in year one and make a difference. Side note, if your defensive end is running 40 yards, you have other problems. So just something to keep in mind, no matter how fast he is. All right, so, so far we've had the Arizona Cardinals pick Nick Bosa, the defensive end from Ohio State, number one. Josh Allen, the pass rusher from Kentucky, going number two to San Francisco. Number three, the New York Jets. We've mocked Jawan Taylor from Florida, the right tackle to New York. Oakland picking Montez Sweat, the pass rusher from Mississippi State, defensive end, 6'6", 270. Uh, and now we come to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who could use some help at linebacker. They could also use some pass rush help, and they could use some safety help. And still on the board right now, Quinnen Williams of Alabama, Rashawn Gary from Michigan, uh, Ed Oliver from Houston, and Jeffrey Simmons, who some really like, from Mississippi State. Uh, Mark, there are a lot of very good defensive players sitting here at number five. And if the Jaguars are at number seven and they see those defensive players on the board, they have to think that one of those guys is going to be in the conversation when it falls to the Jags at number seven. But let's stick with the Bucks for the time being. What are the Bucks thinking if they see the draft board play out as we have it playing out? I think if they look at the back at the draft board at this point, they're thrilled uh, that Williams is still available out of Alabama. Um, this guy, uh, another kid that can come in right away, be a Pro Bowl player immediately, make an impact. And guys, that's what you want. You you would agree that you know you want to draft a guy that's going to be on the field and not just be on the field, but produce and really be a game changer. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look at Quinn and Williams um, with that number five pick uh, and just 
plug him in right away and, and watch him play really well. I mean, just an incredible career at Alabama. And uh, so that's that's who I'm thinking the uh, Buccaneers will go with. Some have Quinnen Williams rated as the number one player in the draft, Justin. So if you're at number five and your top-rated player is sitting there, that's an easy choice, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. You know, the Bucks have been rumored to uh, to kind of be a linebacker spot. The linebackers is what they need in the draft. But, again, I think Gerald McCoy is uh, getting significantly old. Um, he's a guy that he's not going to play forever. But, you know, that's a potential replacement for him once he moves on. So a good pick, I think, by uh, GM Brunel at uh, number five. And This is my pick now. Don't give it to him just yet. He's making suggestions. <laughs> I like, I suggestions. like, I like uh, where Mark's uh, headed with this thought here. And, uh, you know, I just think Quinta Williams could be that guy to, to kind of take place of Gerald McCoy when he moves on. Talk about linebacker. The only linebacker that's probably going to be in the top 15 is uh, Devin White from uh, LSU. You could also see Devin Bush from Michigan go potentially uh, sneaking into that area. But those are the only two linebackers who are likely to be you know, in the top 15 to 20. So uh, Tampa Bay, one of the many teams that have been rumored to be trying to move down in the draft to try to get value. Uh, Dave Caldwell said today it sounds like everybody's trying to move down, and uh, so he's expecting that to be a difficult thing to do. But since I have the pick here at number five, I'm going with the highest-rated guy on the board. I think Quinton Williams, by the way, is sort of my dream scenario for the Jaguars. If he were to slide, I think that would be an amazing pick. He's a defensive tackle who can make a difference. And if you watched Alabama this year, and particularly if you watched him against uh, the top teams in the SEC when they played against Georgia, uh, and uh, playing against Clemson, Quentin Williams made a difference. And when you have a defensive tackle making a difference at the college level against the top teams, you have to uh, sit up and take notice. So we'll have Quentin Williams going at number five to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So an Alabama player comes off the board, no surprise to anybody with all the talent that Alabama's been able to acquire. That brings us to number six and the New York Jets. Do they have a needed quarterback with Eli Manning getting older? Uh, New York Giants, rather, with Eli Manning getting older and older. Wide receiver. Could they reach for DK Metcalf here, the uh, speedy Mississippi wide receiver? Could they go offensive line or pass rush as well? Uh, Mark has the pick here, but let's start with you, Justin. If you're the Giants, who are you looking at? This team has got so many holes. I mean, you give away your best receiver. I mean, what are they trying to do is what my question to, to Giants management at this point is. I mean, are you, are you trying to go down with the ship and Eli Manning? Are you trading your best receiver? Is the rebuild starting now? Is it starting next year? I just don't know what this franchise's thought process is at this point in the in – the, it just don't make any sense with what they've done in New York. So um, I think you probably stayed with Eli Manning too long at quarterback, and uh, this rebuild needed to start a little bit sooner. But um, I don't know. Do you go quarterback here and uh, Dwayne Haskins? Do you take the the pick and use it on Kyler Murray? Um, I don't know what you're you're trying to accomplish if you're if you're in New York at this point. It'll be very interesting to see if quarterback is the pick because you pick a quarterback at number seven. He's going to start here this year at some point. He may not start opening day, Mark, but he's going to be your starting quarterback by the time 2019 comes to an end. And it does seem like they're really holding on tightly to Eli Manning. Certainly, Eli has earned plenty of respect in two rings. But, boy, it does seem like they have waited to pull the trigger here. So whether it's Haskins or whether it's Kyler Murray or whether it's Drew Locke, uh, those are the three probably most likely uh, picks here. Um, what is your sense about what the Giants are going to do here picking at uh, number six? I'm with Justin. I really have no clue what their thoughts are. Um, 
out of New York. Uh, they've talked about this is not a rebuild, or but you know what? There's so many holes and there's so many needs. I think what they need the most right now is some hope for the future. And if you're thinking uh, down the road, you are thinking about that quarterback position. Just something to get excited about. The question is, I, I do think they're going to pick a quarterback. I just don't know which one. Um, you mentioned Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, pretty good. Don't forget about this Daniel Jones kid, too. Um, he's a quarterback that has, has moved up. His stock has risen uh, since the combine. If you're looking at a quarterback that is probably the most like Eli Manning right now, a pocket passer, uh, a guy that's had a lot of experience, a lot of success, that would be Daniel That would be Daniel Jones out of Duke. Um, coached by David Cutcliffe. Coached by David Cutcliffe. And, and uh, is he NFL ready? It remains to be seen because that, that quarterback position in the first round, man, it, guys, it's 50-50. You just don't know. I mean, um, Drew Locke is a name. Um, I know I have to go with one. Uh, Daniel Jones, I mentioned. Dwayne Haskins, out of those three, gosh, you just don't know how it's going to play out. You spent some time around a lot of I quarterbacks in the, in, the, in the time leading up. Did you get a sense from any of them personality-wise about who might be able to handle playing in New York? That, you know what that's like up there. That's a great point. And uh, uh, Daniel Jones, um, I don't know. That's It's the one question mark I have about about him. Will he be able to handle this This being in that market, being in that environment with all the pressure? Uh, I think if there's one guy that can do it that doesn't seem to be phased by the pressure and the hype and, and all of that stuff, it would be Drew Locke. Um, I think uh, Dwayne Haskins has dropped off a little bit. And, 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 guys, it all depends. I mean, it all depends on what they're thinking. But with that pick, I'm going to go with Drew Locke. Oh. I'm going to go with Drew Locke on this one. And uh, I like his personality. He's got some grit to him. I don't, again, I don't think it's, you know, the, the market's going to phase him. He'll go in there. Will it be pretty year one if he has to start, if Eli's struggling at some point? Yeah, I just don't see him a kid going backwards if things get really ugly up in New York. Because, to Justin's point, there's so many holes, there's so many question marks. I think you need a guy, if you're going to draft a quarterback, who is not going to get phased by all the stuff that's going around him? I think that's the, the Drew Locke kid. All right, so we have gotten to the Jaguars pick. After 22 minutes of conversation, we've gotten to the Jaguars pick at number seven. Let's review the six picks to this point. Arizona going with defensive end Nick Bosa from Ohio State. Justin Barney throwing a monkey wrench into the thing right out of the gate. Kyler Murray is still on the board. Josh Allen, the pass rusher from Kentucky, at number two to San Francisco. Juwan Taylor, Florida right tackle, at number three to the New York Jets. Oakland taking Montez Sweat, the pass rusher, defensive end from Mississippi State, at number four. Number five, Tampa Bay going with Quinnen Williams from Alabama. And at number six, Drew Locke, the quarterback from Missouri, is the first quarterback off the board. He goes to the New York Giants to become the heir apparent to Eli Manning. So let's talk about some of the players who the Jaguars could be considering at this point, and I'll throw open the discussion with these players who are now available for the Jaguars. You have TJ Hawkinson, the Iowa tight end, might be the best two-way tight end to come out of the draft in years. Rashawn Gary, the defensive end from Michigan, very good measurables, wasn't as productive as a pass rusher at Michigan as you would like, perhaps. Ed Oliver has some off-the-field questions, but uh, very good physical specimen as a defensive tackle from Houston. DK Metcalf, the uh, old Miss wide receiver, uh, put up huge numbers at the combine, but didn't put up huge numbers as a pass catcher in a somewhat dysfunctional situation at Old Miss. Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, is on the board, as is the versatile offensive lineman from Alabama, Jonah Williams. And remember, 
Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins also on the board right now, as is Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle from Mississippi State, who some believe is a top five talent. We'll see how it would all play out. Guys, if that's who's on the board for the Jaguars, uh, and Andre Dillard, by the way, the tackle from uh, Washington State, who certainly had plenty of pass block uh, in his background playing up there for the Cougars. So is there anybody else the Jaguars are considering at this point as they're sitting on the clock with the seventh pick? Uh, Justin, I'll throw it open to you first. Anybody else who we should be considering? You know, I I think they were getting a little antsy with Quentin Williams still on the board with the fifth pick. But now that he's off, Jawan Taylor's gone. We talked about right tackle throughout this process being a, an area and Jawan being a target. But I don't think so. I think Jacksonville's in a good spot. You know, if you want to trade down, you've got Kyler Murray still on the board. That may intrigue some teams. Um, but in our draft, we're not trading or anything. I would be happy – at that number seven spot with a pass catcher like TJ Hawkinson. I think the offense needs help, needs playmakers, needs a guy that's going to play this year and make an impact. I think uh, some of these other guys on the board um, would be a pick for next year or a pick for, um, you know, Ed Oliver would be a good guy this year. But um, how does he project next year? I think he'd be a good guy, defensive tackle to look at. But um, I think as far as guys that can come in and help right now, I think tight end is probably the biggest uh, question mark on that field. You don't have any guys there. You got Jeff Swaim, who you signed, but uh, is really a, an unknown guy for uh, in terms of big play potential. So I think T.J. Hawkinson, you need help at receiver, you need help on the offensive line, you need help at tight end, and I think he encompasses all three of those. Mark, you've been clamoring for offensive weapons for Nick Foles ever since the Jaguars <laughs> signed him. Every time we do a podcast, actually, my whole life I've been <laughs> I've been trying to get more skilled guys. I agree with Justin. I think tight end is a need. I do have uh, some concerns about Hawkinson. He is the best two-way tight end in this draft. Uh, is he a top 10 in the first round kind of guy? I don't think so, but based on need. Listen, Hawkinson, yeah, I mean, he could split him out. He can run routes. He can catch. He's the best blocking tight end out of this the group, out of the top tight ends, but I still don't think he's great at it. He's, a not, he's not really a strong player, not a real physical player. Um, but uh, listen um, – uh, Nick Foles recently said, "Listen, you got you got to have a tight end in your offense." And, and guys, we we talked about it briefly. We don't really have one to have a guy that's versatile that you could plug in there and and uh, ask him to block a little bit, but you can do more than just one thing with them. Uh, and maybe it doesn't mesh exactly with Doug Morrow's philosophy as far as running the ball and having that that inline tight end that could be physical that can that can block. Um, I would probably lean towards the tight end, and Hawkinson would be that one. All right, let me throw a counter argument to Hawkinson because you guys are both seeming like you're going to go in that direction. Um, This is a very deep tight end draft. There are some very good tight ends who will be there almost certainly when the Jaguars pick in the second round. Uh, Maybe in the third round, too, you can get some. One of the players I really like is Isaac Nata from Georgia, who hasn't uh, uh, been considered a top pick, but a guy who can come on the field and play. And not a good combine. In fact, I I talked to him uh, afterwards, and uh, I ran into him at the airport uh, Isaac and I've known Isaac since he was at Providence and know his family, you know, and and uh, he was walking through the airport and he was down. I'm like, Isaac, what's going on? He said, I didn't run well, I didn't catch well, I didn't jump. He said, he said, uh, Mark, it just it was a bad combine. And so he's now how other teams see him. You watch his game tape and he really jumps out at you. But his combine did not go well in his eyes. Um, so. Uh, um, is he one of the top tight ends? Is he a you know top three rounds? Yes, he is. But uh, uh, he's my point is he's dropped quite a bit since the yeah. combine. Yeah, he's a guy who you could maybe get in the third round who Absolutely. may still be able to help you out here initially. Also, knowing 
that the Jaguars brass has some pressure to perform this year. Now, maybe they feel that the moves they made, including signing Nick Foles, will get them to the point where they're going to be you know, a competitive team this year and they're not worried about uh, not having enough to, to compete this year. But when you start looking at some of the other players who can impact a team right away, versatility does matter. And I just want to bring up Jonah Williams as, as a guy. We, we talked about him a little bit earlier, the offensive lineman from Alabama. When you start as a freshman at Alabama, I don't care what position you're, you're, you're playing on the offensive line, that, that shows something. Sure. One other story, I was reading a story about him today. He charts every pass rusher he's going to face. He's meticulous with it and creates these sort of spider graphs that showcase the kind of moves that they're going to make and how often they make them on a pass rush and how often they win with them. And that leads him to preparation throughout the course of the week. So he says, all right, well, this guy has used a spin move six times this year, and he's won on it five times. So at some point, he's going to throw that spin move. Is So he tells the scout team, you got to work on a spin move so I can work. we can work out how I'm going to block it. The fact that you have a guy in college doing that kind of preparation means that the guy really is a football junkie and that it really matters to him. I like that kind of approach. And if he can come in and play right tackle, great. If you need to use him at guard, you know, A.J. Can is back. Norwell didn't have the season last year. He seems to me like a guy who is almost guaranteed to be able to help you this year right away. Hawkinson certainly would be able to slide into a, a tight end position that doesn't have anybody who has taken hold of that uh, so far. But, boy, to get a, 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 a guy who has that kind of football mentality, really uh, he feels like a Doug Marone kind of player to me from what I've understood. He's a Doug Marone type player, and, gosh, if and Tom Coughlin has to love that. An Alabama guy in that system. And uh, that being the case, that brings a lot of value. A kid that's ahead of his time. Uh, that does things and prepares like very few offensive linemen prepare uh, in the in uh, the college ranks. So um, that would not be a surprise. Justin, uh, can I talk you out of Hawkinson, or are you uh, uh, set on that over anybody else? Ed Oliver, Jonah Williams, Rashawn Gary, maybe a reach to DK Metcalf. I, I'm still leaning towards Hawkinson. I, I hear your points on Williams and they're all valid and I think Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin probably agree and, and slap you on the back for that. Um, that being said, their offensive line, I don't think we saw it at its full potential last year. It was two games in before the wheels started falling off in terms of injuries. Cam Robinson, I think, played two games. He was hurt in his third. Just piled up after that. Brad Norwell was or Andrew Norwell was terrible. Um, just, just not a good combination. I mean, if, will that happen again? It was kind of the perfect storm of circumstances last year. So I think the pieces are in place on the offensive line. Um, you know, not a lot of depth there, but um, I think the pieces are in place there to have something sustainable. You you added Ogbuehi at, at right tackle. Um, you bring back Josh Wells. Uh, so I think I think the pieces are in place there at seven. I don't know if that. If I'm on board with that Jonah Williams pick, I think the Hawkinson, I think a playmaker is uh, is where I'm headed, and, and Hawkinson's a guy for me. All right, you're at Hawkinson. Mark, you're at Hawkinson still? Yes, I am. All right, yeah. so that'll be the pick then for the Jaguars at number seven. In our mock draft, it is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa. Uh, I think there have been, since 1981, five tight ends drafted in the top ten in the National Football League. One of them, by the way, was Kyle Brady, the Jets took in the top 10. Some of them have worked out, but as was mentioned today, um, there are 
a number of tight ends that probably should have been taken in the top 10 based on their productivity. You think if they redrafted the draft right now that Gronk would be a top 10 pick or Travis Kelsey would be a top 10 pick? I think probably so. Um, and the way that things are going in the National Football League, I don't think it's too out of the line to, to think about a tight end at, at uh, number seven. And again, as mentioned, one scouting service through uh, NFL.com has Hawkinson rated as the fifth best prospect in the draft. So we'll see how it all plays out. Gentlemen, thank you so much for participating in the mock draft. If you have some comments or want to weigh in, certainly do so on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Cole Pepper. Mark is on Twitter at M underscore Brunel H. And Justin Barney is on Twitter at Justin Barney TU. That, of course, is for thank you. Uh, you can find Teal the Podcast every week. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. And you can always find it right here on newsforjacks.com. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast. Enjoy the draft and enjoy our draft special, by the way, Thursday from Sneakers at 7 o'clock. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you after the draft.